Hello, everyone. This is the first episode of Candy Stripe Combos. I'm Will Foley, and then I'm here with some guests. I'm uh, Jacob Spudage and Garrett Newman. All right, so IDS beat reporters here, and we're just going to talk about. We're a little late on the season start, but we're going to start about talk the start of Indiana football season. Uh, we can start with Week One Illinois takeaways. You guys just want to dive right in. Um, yeah, I think the takeaway, my main takeaway from that game was definitely the Indiana defense, you know, kind of bending but not breaking, and the uh, the ability from Illinois, or the ability from Indiana's offense, rather, uh, for their ability to kind of, their passing game being a real, like, being very attacking, their offense being very big plays oriented. So that was really cool to see. Um and you know, I think what won it in in the you know what won it big time was the defense coming up clutch on numerous occasions, getting a couple of really good turnovers. Yeah, you know, I feel like we haven't really seen Indiana's offense play like that since 2019, 2020. And to see the big plays in the passing game, like you mentioned, Basilak hit Matthews on a deep ball for a touchdown. I feel like it just opens up the rest of the offense, and they didn't really get the running game going against Illinois, but uh, in the second week, we really got to see that. So I think hopefully IU will continue to have a balanced attack going forward. Uh, yeah, one thing of note, though, was that second half up until that 75-yard game-winning drive by Bazelak and the Hoosiers, uh, only 70 yards of offense. So kind of went stale there, which we can kind of lead into what we saw in the first half against Idaho, where... They just could not do anything. They couldn't put any points up on the board. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think was up with that first half, trailing 10-0 to Idaho, an FCS opponent, so on a completely different level and just couldn't get anything done? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely very concerning. Uh, Idaho barely lost by, I believe, like a touchdown to Washington State, which um, beat ended up beating Wisconsin. So you kind of knew they were going to come in. Um with some kind of chip on their shoulder after last year, getting like absolutely knocked around in Memorial Stadium. So that was kind of cool. It, it was honestly very impressive that Idaho was able to turn, like they're able to contain Indiana as much as they could. But I mean, you I mean, you said it, back-to-back weeks were like their second half, like they needed, the, they needed, they woke up in the second half and were, was able to come back. And, you know, that's gonna, probably going to work against Idaho. It's probably going to work. You know, it, we might even see that next week against Western Kentucky. But, you know, teams like Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, all in their schedule, all ranked. It's really not going to work if they can't wake up in the first half. or Because then by the time the second half starts, they're going to be down 50 nothing. So, Yeah, you know, Indiana had to deal with the delay. It's a, It happens. Uh, it's not an excuse. The weather was pretty terrible. So the attack was a little bit different than the first week. Bazelak only had 197 yards compared to like 330 in week one. So it was definitely a more run-oriented game plan. And it just took a while to get their footing, I feel like. And once they did, the Hoosiers kind of ran away with it. But like you said, I mean, Western Kentucky is going to have a very high-octane offense. So they got to prepare for that. And they can't come out sluggish like they did in week two because they're going to get blown out. Yeah, I thought it was weird in that first half. Uh, they actually started to get the run game going. I think they had about 60 yards, and then they just kind of kept letting Bazelak throw, and he just did not look good in that first half. He was overthrowing people. That interception he threw, uh, closest receiver was Cam Camper, maybe 15 yards away, right over his head. So 
that wasn't promising, but then they come out in the second half and they just put on a clinic, especially in that third quarter. Uh, I mean, defense looked absolutely amazing. They held Idaho to 10 yards in that third quarter alone. So, I mean, that's just like the best they've looked since 2020. And then the offense got going, Baselight got going in the passing game. And then Shivers was running all over the place, had, what, 100, 144 yards. So he looked really good. 155. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, the running game was actually something that uh, was huge because Shivers, you know, he had, I believe it was like 26 yards in the first game. And he was the leading rusher. So that was, and even though they won, it was like you have one, like a kind of a one dimensional offense that's very streaky at some points. You really needed that run game. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were kind of looking at the offensive line, which um, in that first game against Illinois, you know, gave Bazelak. A lot of trouble. He was in a lot of hurries, and then the second, the second game, Shivers comes out 155 run, running yards, which is very awesome. And I think one thing that's super important, and I was writing about it uh, this week in the article, is that Tom Allen. You know, we saw him in that presser. He was very, very frustrated after um, the win over Idaho, um, despite winning, despite winning by two scores. So, um, and despite you know, s- subtract two kind of lack of focused touchdowns for the Indiana defense, you know, it really should have been a shutout in that second half. That's how well Indiana played, and they really came back. It was constant strike after constant strike. So even after that second half that they had, Allen was, you know, he was he was frustrated. He, I mean, he kind of sensed what you were saying, you know, the consistency is key, and, you know, they're not going to win those games like I was saying earlier. Um, but Shivers, the running game, you know, he, he came over here from Auburn to, like, to boost this running game after Indiana lost three starting running backs. Uh, another guy I kind of want to get another guy Shivers is you know co-back Josh Henderson. Uh, he fumbled in the last game. Really didn't see much of him, but I kind of want to see more of him to take the load off of Shivers and create like that one-two combo that I was kind of talking to you guys about in that roundtable we did earlier. Create that one-two combo that we can get going. You know, Michigan has that with uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, and it, and it worked last year with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. So. Just something that Indiana, you know, if they are able to use that to her advantage, they don't always have to rely on Bazelak to throw 50 passes a game to uh, Camper and uh, DJ Matthews. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I would like to see more of McCulley in, in like, Wildcat quarterback situations. Uh, we saw him on the goal line against Idaho. And even though he switched to receiver, I mean, he's a playmaker in any way they can get him on the field, I think, is a net positive. So, Yeah, even in that run game, I mean, you could have that duo, but – uh, all summer, I feel like Allen really raved about Jalen Lucas, the freshman. Uh, he seems like a really talented guy. And so, you know, he had four carries, 16 yards against Idaho, too. I know it's kind of garbage time stuff, but, I mean, a trio of running backs is a little, like, unrealistic. But, I mean, it, give them time to develop, you know, have Henderson be that second back for now and Lucas kind of get some reps still. And he could start to emerge, especially throughout the season, you know, I mean the running back the running back game looks good like it didn't look good against Illinois obviously and that's a big problem because we're going to be playing much harder defenses across the Big 10 slate but last or last weekend was promising and if we really start to get the run game because we really didn't have that last year uh it just didn't work out with guys like Stephen Carr uh Davion Irvin Poindexter who's now at Western Kentucky who we'll see next weekend so uh, it's been promising so far, I'd say. Uh, go ahead. 
I was going to. Um, and just another thing about the Idaho game, I would, I was impressed with uh, how Dayson McCullough came out and played two sacks. You know, he's the highest recruit IU's ever had. For, you need to that production off the edge. If you're going to win games in the Big Ten, you can't just let quarterbacks sit back there and dice you up all game. And especially when the cornerbacks have kind of been struggling a little bit for IU early in the season, uh, I like to see pressure from the defense, which is something we didn't really have a lot of the last couple of years, I'd say. Yeah, I really like the depth of the defense this year. Uh, first of all, they're really experienced. I mean, everyone on the line is either like a redshirt senior, senior, or junior other than McCauley and or McCullough. And McCullough has been kind of moving around. He's at the bowl. He's at the linebacker. Uh, Allen was raving about that athleticism, his length. And then the secondary looks good as well. Uh, Jalen Lucas, Noah Pierre have been playing really well. Uh, we haven't quite seen it yet from Taiwan Mullen. Uh, obviously, he has the potential. He was an All-American in 2020. So uh, the defense has definitely been the, the most consistent so far. And the offense, it has a little bit to catch up, but it has the potential, certainly. Uh, one thing I thought interesting, talking a little special teams, first of all, Charles Campbell missed. And then he actually missed a second time, and it was taken off because of a penalty. So... We really haven't seen that in a while. He was actually probably Indiana's best player last year, most consistent at least. And so finally saw him become human that, this last weekend. That was interesting. And I think, you know, again, not an excuse, but rain, you know, it being so wet, that ball being so wet, the field being so wet, it doesn't really help. But, you, I mean, you, you said it. That's a lot. That's, a th that's something that a lot of people forgot about. That dude missed two, um, you know, they were like 30, 40-yard field goals um, that, you know, for him are – our routine, like he had a great week the previous week, nailing a bunch of big time field goals against Illinois. So, I mean, that's actually that's a really interesting point you bring up. And I think Tom Allen was kind of I, he might have touched on it in the press conference. I don't remember for sure, but he sounded a little frustrated about the kicker and and just the consistency there. Because if you can't put up three on the board when you can't get seven, then it's really going to pose problems later down the stretch in the schedule. So. Uh, you need to come away with points whenever they can, and hopefully that's something that gets fixed up as the season goes on. Yeah, so, I mean, they came away with a win. That was really all that mattered, uh, even though it was a little ugly in the first half, and they looked good in the second half other than, as you said, Jacob, uh, let up a couple touchdowns late, which Allen was not happy about. And they're garbage time touchdowns. Like, those aren't those aren't prime time things, but, you know, again, yeah. Right, so 2-0, and uh, already matched 2021's win total. Uh, already have a conference win, which they didn't get all last year. And so things re look really good for Indiana right now. Uh, obviously hosting Western Kentucky on Saturday at noon. And so what are you guys thinking about this game? Um, You know, it's entirely possible that this could be a, you know, considered a shootout, uh, as they say. Um, Western Kentucky's offense is very good. It's led by a pretty talented quarterback in Austin Reed, who came from, um, I believe, Western Florida is where he won the national championship, D2 national championship last year. So he's nothing to play around with. And, you know, this Western Kentucky team, just in general, is really nothing to play around with. They gave Indiana a bunch of trouble last year. Indiana was barely able to squeak by 33-31 for their second win of the season. And it ended up being the last week of the season. So I, I do think it's going to be a shootout. Um, but I do kind of, I'm kind of, you know, pessimistic about this game because it's entirely possible that Indiana could come away with their first loss against Western Kentucky, which is kind of wild, as you could say. But the way that they've been playing, like Western Kentucky, if they put up as many points on the scoreboard, if they can, and, and that's that's con 
that's assuming that Indiana's defense would bend past breaking, um, which is incredibly doubtful. But, you know, it's big for them to wake up in this first half for sure with a Western Kentucky def- offense that it just seems will shoot the lights out on you. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see how Poindexter comes back against IU. You know, I personally thought he was one of the better running backs last year, and he was just a walk-on. So to see him get an opportunity at Western Kentucky and probably get a lot more playing time, he might come out and give the, the Hoosier defense a little bit of fits. And honestly, like Jacob was saying, if the offense doesn't come out quickly and put points up on the board, this is an offense. I mean, Austin Reed has 551 yards and seven touchdowns already this season. So we need to come out and really get the offense going or it could get ugly early. And the running game is going to be another big factor because against teams that can really put points up on the board, if you can get a lead, start draining that clock a little bit. I know IU's offensive coordinator is more of a fast tempo type of guy this year, but if they can kind of squeeze the clock a little bit and put more pressure on Western Kentucky, which is a smaller school, then it could cause some errors, which IU thrives off of in the past. So I think that's how they get the win. I'm I'm actually pretty optimistic about this game. Uh, one thing that you guys have talked about, I think it's kind of a misconception this year about the shootout just because of how they've played in the past. But first of all, uh, Western Kentucky, Austin Reed's a good quarterback, but they don't have Bailey Zapp last year who threw for almost 6,000 yards, 62 touchdowns, which is insane. But, I mean, he was throwing 50 passes a game, and Austin Reed's already only thrown like 62 through two games. So uh, they're really kind of balancing it out more, and so we'll obviously see more of uh, Urban Poindexter, so might have to look out for him. But... Not in addition to that, just looking at their schedule, I mean, a win is a win. We can say the same for ourselves, but they beat Austin P by 11, which was probably a little closer than they'd like. And then they won at Hawaii, who might be the worst team in college football right now. So <laughs> they beat them up, but who knows how good of a win that is. Uh, the only concern is, one, they're coming off a bye week. And then, two, some of Indiana's uh, weaknesses right now could really come back and get them. I mean, we saw a couple big plays they let up against both Idaho and Illinois. Uh, missed tackles has been a thing, especially in week one against Illinois, that uh, Tom Allen's not been happy about and that's really been clearing. And then, I mean, it's just like offensive line and consistency play, and you never know. We've seen one good half in both games pretty much so far this season, so one bad half might just set them back enough to to make them lose it, but... I, I like our chances here. Uh, if you want to talk, not betting odds, but, I mean, six-and-a-half-point favorites so far. How do you guys feel about that line? Um, It's definitely super generous to Western Kentucky, I think, uh, because this is, I mean, Indiana, forget the fact that they won two games last year. They're a Big Ten program. Uh, Big Ten, you know, up there with SEC and the best conference in college football. Um, but... Uh, I don't really know what much to think about it because um, I, I don't really know what much to think about it. I feel like they're giving a lot of credit to Western Kentucky um, being just 6.5 underdogs. Um, I, I, I don't know, I'm not really sure if that's fair. I would assume that um, if I had to put a bet on it, I would assume Indiana would probably beat them by two scores just because, um, you know, talking over with you guys, I'm – very confident about this Indiana defense, whether or not the offense wakes up in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think 
IU's probably going to win by two scores in this game. Um, I'm seeing a score line, something like 35, 21, 24, something like that. Um, Indiana's going to come out and play good defense as long as they don't miss tackles, which has been kind of a question mark, like you mentioned. But uh, it's uncharacteristic in the history of this team, and I think that Tom Allen will try and get that shirt up as the season progresses. He addressed it in the press conference a couple weeks ago. Um, he wasn't happy about it, and so knowing that, I think that that'll be a focal point for the defense. And then to go along with that, I think, I mean, we can expect to see Bazelak throw it around a little bit. I think he'll have a big game. Um, not that his last game wasn't great. I mean, the one interception was an errant throw, and, you know, that's going to happen from time to time. But he had two touchdowns, just under 200 yards. Uh, he did what he had to do. And honestly, he looked kind of sharp at points. And he's coming from Missouri where, I mean, he had an, like around a 500 record as a starter, I believe. So, I mean, the competition there is, like the like you said, the SEC is the top conference. So I think Bazelak's going to come out against a lower-tier program and, and kind of have his way. But we'll see. Yeah, we can start to break it down and go down the line. Obviously, you just gave your thoughts. But, Jacob, uh, what do you think Bazelak's going to do this weekend do you think he can finally find some consistency and some rhythm, or do you think it's still going to take a little bit of time? Um, you know, I think uh, playing at noon is going to help him out a little bit. He's not quite under the lights. I don't know if that's been, um, you know, kind of freaking him out. Uh, it's supposed to be sunny on Saturday, so that's actually going to help. He did say the ball was kind of slipping out of his hands. Um, third game in the third game in Wall Bell system, I think. Um, they do the. I, I I would not be surprised if Bazelak got started earlier if he found uh, big shots to Camper DJ Matthews. Um, I'm looking for him. I don't think he's going to make a mistake. I don't think he's going to throw an interception. I'd be very surprised if he did that. Um, I think I'm going to look. I think he's going to have a solid game, much like what we saw in Illinois, much like what we saw Idaho. I mean, he's had solid solid games. He's just a couple of mistakes. Um, but he's he's really smart on ball. He's very smart. He throws it out to the sideline, and if he's gonna get if he's getting hurried by the defensive line, the opposing team's defensive line, he's really really smart with the football. So the interception they had last week is very uncharacteristic. Um, I don't think he makes any mistakes against Western Kentucky. But I think one thing that he hasn't quite done so far this year is he spreads the ball around. Walt Bell said he had like seven, eight, nine receivers he wanted to use throughout the game. I think he spreads the ball out. I think Camper Matthews still have those big numbers, but I think he finds you know. Guys like McCauley a little bit more, you know, guys like he'll, he'll find Barner, he'll find Emery Simmons, you know, find those guys, even finding guys out of the backfield, Josh Josh Henderson, Sean Shivers, Jalen Lucas, you said. So I'm one of the big things, I think he's going to have a solid game, but I think he's going to spread out the ball more, kind of see who other receivers are besides Matthews and Camper. I like that. Uh, going on, uh, what do you guys think over under around 100 rushing yards? Obviously, last week they exploded. 239 his team week one was about 26 or 32 or wherever really low number so we've seen two extremes but do you guys think they kind of break through and find a little bit of consistency you guys you know we might see base like throwing it more especially against uh despite what i said i still think western kentucky is going to throw the ball a little more especially if they have to catch up so uh what are you guys thinking in the run game um, you know, I think uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think they're going to try to go Shivers again uh, this week and get him 100 yards. Uh, Western Kentucky has given up 251 yards already on the season. That's about 125 and a half per game. So um, I'm, that number makes me very, you know, they've and they've played Hawaii and Austin Peavy. So 
that number makes me very confident is that Shiver's going to go for a bunch. You know, they're going to give it to Henderson. They're going to give it to Lucas, depending on where they are at the game. Um, so I'd be very confident. I think what Walt Bell is trying to do with his offense, he's trying to get an explosive offense, but he's trying to he's trying to make it unpredictable. He doesn't always want to put the hand, the ball in Bazelak's hand. Bazelak threw the ball 50 times in the Illinois game, which is, I think, a lot more than he wanted to because Shiver, the game wasn't run, like the running, running game wasn't working. So I think they try to spread it around. Um, they are, I mean, they're going to, if Shiver, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If Shiver's going to put up 100 yards again, rush for a touchdown, then they're going to give it to Shivers and give it to Bazelak, you know, whenever they're feeling a big play. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> I'd like to see Bazelak throw the ball between 30 and 40 times, and then I'd like to see Shivers get 16 to 20 carries. And I think he'll probably run for maybe a little less than last week. I'd say somewhere between 80 to 110 yards and maybe a score. And then I expect to see Josh Henderson get some more touches as long as he doesn't cough the ball up early in the game like last week. Uh, I feel like Coach Allen kind of lost some trust in him off that. I mean, I it was a semi-controversial call. I'm pretty sure he was like not down, so it was a fumble. But um, you can't be giving the ball away like that, especially in these winnable games. And uh, so I expect to see him maybe get 10 carries this week if he had a good week of practice. And, um, yeah, I'd say as a team they're going to push the 150 yards rushing mark, um, maybe a little more. Like you said, uh, the competition Western Kentucky's played hasn't been necessarily elite, and they've given up quite a bit of yardage on the ground. So against a Big Ten opponent, I expect to see a good running game. Uh, yeah, we can move on to the offensive line now, obviously. Uh, they've had their troubles. They really struggled in week one, even though they only gave up, I believe, just one sack. But really, like didn't have any time to throw. Uh, last weekend was a little bit better, but uh, they're still kind of getting over the hump, especially losing Matthew Bedford for the season. So, I mean, how do you think they do this week in terms of uh, last week they actually allowed zero sacks? Do you think they kind of continue it? Uh, do you think they, especially on like a – probably lesser opponent with Western Kentucky. Can they get some pushback and really get Bazelak some time to throw it around? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. Um, again, it's not it's not poop on the offensive line hour right now, but uh, <laughs> you have to give a lot of credit to Bazelak for uh, the amount of sacks given up because he, he did a good job getting out of the pocket, getting rid of the ball quickly, even if it wasn't, if it didn't find a receiver and the receiver caught it. I mean, he got it out to the sidelines. He... He threw it away. He did a really, really good job. And even, you know, he was talking to the media on Monday. He said, you know, it's not the offensive line. It's fall. You know, it's 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 all of us. We all work together. Um, so I I would I would be surprised if Bazelak got sacked a bunch of times again. I just think that's going to be something that Bazelak is going to have to get used to. The offensive line was a problem last year. Um, and the loss of Bedford does not help at all. He's probably, him and Hogard, probably the two best players on that line uh, in a sub a suboptimal line that is so when you lose one of the two guys in a suboptimal line and I'm being a little harsh here but um it it really doesn't bode well for you um you know it's it'll probably be a t- it'll probably be trouble against you know teams like Michigan Ohio State uh with big time defensive pass rushers but um right now against Western Kentucky I'm not really concerned about it I feel I see it as you know Right now, it doesn't really look like anything's going to get any better. You know, you can't pick up guys from the free agency and just be like, hey, come on, the team. Um, so it's just going to be something that Bazelak is going to have to adapt to, and so far it looks like he already has adapted to. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, the O-line last year was possibly the biggest problem on the team, and I feel like that's why IU lo- dropped a lot of those games is Penix was not 
as safe with the football as he was in years past. And whenever the offensive line broke down and he was under pressure, you know, he was throwing it across the field, across his body, interceptions that could have been avoided. The difference this year is I think Bazelak, like you commented when we were talking about it, he doesn't really put the ball in harm's way as much. He's more prone to throwing the ball out of bounds, getting out of the pocket, making sure he's not taking a sack. Um, and and I think that's key. And when it comes to a game like this against a lower tier opponent like Western Kentucky, I think the O-line will hold up and maybe even look good. But uh, when, they, when it gets later down this season, I expect to see them have some trouble. And that's going to be a main reason for us dropping games. I mean, in the Illinois game, the running game was pretty weak, and a big reason for that was the O-line got basically no push. So uh, if you're not getting pushed and you're not winning in the trenches, it's going to be really hard to win football games, especially in the Big Ten. All right, yeah. And last part of the offense we can touch on, just want to know your guys' predictions on who you think the top receiver will be against Western Kentucky. So obviously week one, Cam Camper really put on a show. He was getting a lot of targets, a lot of catches, and – produced with yards and then last weekend surprisingly it was AJ Barnum was the lead receiver 57 yards and a touchdown and then DJ Matthews shortly behind him so who do you guys think steps up this weekend I get you know DJ Matthews it's got to be DJ Matthews he already has two touchdowns two long touchdowns uh I believe like one was a 50 yarder the other was like 40 yards so um in consecutive weeks so I give it to DJ Matthews uh I think he's a tremendous receiver him and Ken Camper both they spread the field out they make it long for Bazelak to throw and you know, this explosive offense is really, really working. It, it, fair, it's a little consistent at, at many times, but it's really working from the receiving aspect because Bazelak can throw those balls, and Matthews and Camper are fast enough to separate themselves from the secondary and get those balls. Um, before I give it to Garrett here, I do want to apologize to the offensive line. Um, you guys did stand up for Shivers to rush 150-plus yards, so the credit is given there. I, I just feel – I'm, ha- I'm feeling bad because I feel like I'm – pooping on him too much there in this thing but yeah you know of course it's all love for the o-line but uh i'd say lead receiver i'm looking to see i think it's going to be camper i think camper's going to have another 10 plus reception game probably over 100 yards Uh, matthews is definitely the home run hitter and i could see him getting like 70 to 100 yards in this game because i think it's going to be a pass heavy offense especially early but I think, you know, they're kind of reminiscent of a Ty Freifogel and Wap Fillier combination, not to that level, but DJ Matthews kind of like that underneath catch it and run yards after catch, you know, deep threat like Wap and then Freifogel's kind of that, you know, curl routes, slants, uh, he's coming over the middle of the field, he's catching balls on sideline, he's just kind of that possession receiver like uh, Freifogel was at his peak, so I think... Those two, they provide problems, and they have unique matchups that are going to be an issue for a team like Western Kentucky to come up against. All right, and we can move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Kind of start with the D-line, three sacks in both games so far. Obviously, last weekend, two of those were from star freshman Tassan McCullough. Do you think he can replicate that same production from last weekend, a couple sacks maybe, and you think the defensive line can continue to have quarterback? get a couple two or three sacks again yeah I mean for sure Dasan is you know he's that guy he's got that dog in him for sure um you know he's only a freshman he's only getting better his attention to um you know specific things off the field as well on the field are key for him you know Alan raved about his physique and all that stuff but he also raved about his IQ and his attention to detail which is awesome um you know he's 
He's definitely going to be a guy that I think he's going to. He's already kind of made a name for himself in Indiana in a Hoosiers uniform. He's going to be around for a couple of years, and he's. I, I believe he cements his legacy. I mean, he's a Bloomington kid. Of course, if you want to see him succeed, he's from Bloomington. He's went to Indiana, so that was, that's awesome. Uh, in terms of the off, in, in terms of the defensive line, um, there were a couple really, really. I mean, there's a couple. There's multiple really, really good stops that this line has had. Sacks, tackles behind the line, all that jazz. Um, with you know, with Casey, with Jones, with Bryant, um, you know, those kind of guys, and McCullough included. Um, so I'd see, you know, I I want to see. I, I am confident that I'll see this defensive, the front seven, you know, go after the quarterback a lot more. You know, go after, especially if Indiana builds himself a lead, if they wake up in the first half, because you know when you're playing in the first half, and your offense isn't really doing anything. You know, you're not, you don't want to attack as much as. You know, you as much as you think you should, because you know you're, you're capable of getting up big plays. Indiana's offense wakes up. That means Indiana's defense can be more aggressive in that first half and go to get to the quarterback a little bit more. Yeah, I expect I expect a blitz-heavy uh, defensive scheme from Tom Allen. I mean, it's kind of his trademark, but uh, we haven't really seen a ton of it this year. I expect to see McCullough maybe drop into coverage a little more. He played safety a lot in uh, high school. So, um, I mean, he could get a pick one of these first few games, and I wouldn't be too surprised. So I think he could maybe get one sack, and I'm looking for a turnover of some sort from him. And then to go along with that, I think Aaron Casey has been really playing well in that front seven, and I expect to see him, Cam Jones, um, maybe even Alfred Bryant get a shot at him, the quarterback. So... I think there's definitely opportunities in a game like this for IU to ratchet up the pressure, and I'm, I'll be looking for some, some sacks from this defense. Uh, to go back to 2020 real quick, I mean, we just saw this defense. I think they were top five in the nation in interceptions, and we really haven't – well, we saw, what, one or two against Illinois, but Giovanni uh, McCoy looked actually – pretty good against the Indiana defense last weekend he especially in that first half he was doing really well so we didn't quite see the turnovers that we wanted to uh but I feel like with a Western Kentucky offense that really likes to throw the ball around I think there's a lot of potential for interceptions so what do you guys think about four turnovers forced by the Indiana defense over under um well I believe they have four on the season right three fumbles and uh one interception uh geez man four is a lot even if it's Western Kentucky I mean I don't Michigan beat Hawaii by like 50 points I don't think they had four I'll bump it down to three all right well I, <laughs> um yeah you know I think I'll go two two three in that kind of range um I think if it is three I think you're gonna see more fumbles than um, interceptions because you know the defensive line the linebackers it's it's apparent that they hit hard and uh, they're going to knock that ball loose so I would say you know three four might be stretching it I'd probably go two three range but then again you know I look like an idiot if they get like five interceptions and stuff like that so I really don't know I'd probably go for around two three range yeah, I'd say there's probably going to be two uh, two turnovers. I think it'll be a fumble and an interception. Who will get each? I'm not sure. Um, I'd really like to see Devin Matthews make a play in the back end. I feel like he was an incredibly crucial part of the the teams that had success a few years ago, and I haven't really seen him pop off the off the field this year when I've been at the game. So. Devin Matthews, he's a bigger safety. He moves well. I'd like to see him maybe lay a big hit or get an interception. And then Taiwan Mullen, I mean, 
last week there was kind of a, in my opinion, questionable pass interference call where I didn't think the ball was catchable for the receiver and they said it was, but uh, Taiwan Mullen got an interception called back off on a fourth down play. I think we could see him maybe get a, get a coverage interception this week or maybe a tip ball. I, I think something's going to happen where the ball is up in the air and harm's way and a, and a Hoosiers defense player is going to come down with it. You're right about that pass interference. It was an atrocious call. I mean, they were nowhere close to him. All right, and then we can just finish it off. Uh, complete game score predictions. I'm going to make my prediction first. I'm going to say Indiana wins it, moves to 3-0, and I'm going to say they win 35-14. to 35-14. Uh, I'm going to say Indiana does, in fact, win it. Noon game, noon kickoff. Um, I think they win, let's call it... 45 to 32. 45 32. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with the trend. Uh I think Indiana's gonna win this football game. I think the score is gonna be somewhere in that I think it's gonna be a little lower scoring. I think it's gonna be 31 to 20 Indiana. I think Indiana might have some offensive struggles again and not put up the points that I necessarily would expect. Let me change my pick. I, I'm having I'm I'm having remorse. Uh, I'm gonna go. 45, that's what I said for Indiana, 45 to 24. So I knocked Western Kentucky down. By, <laughs> it happened in like 10 seconds. I knocked him down by 10 points. So, yeah. All right. There you have it. Here's our pilot episode. I uh, hope you all enjoy, and we'll see you around next time.